Welcome to The Danger Room, a Marvel Crisis Protocol podcast focused on helping you prepare for the opponents you are yet to face. We discuss strategy, tips, tricks, and things that you should be considering to level up your gameplay. Don't forget to join us on our free Discord, or if you feel so inclined to become a Patreon, as we discuss MCP on a daily basis. The links will be in the description. On the podcast, regular members include Dizzard, Jacob, Mike, and Sploosh. So I'm doing this a little bit after the um, episode was recorded, but we just had some big news, and Mike DeLuca, our newest addition to the podcast you know the the better mic if we're having this uh <laughs> a little mic war with strikes better you know a little fun here but uh mike deluca big congratulations for winning finals of lvo we had a great play-by-play by sploosh and roll better frank we're taking pictures and commentating basically little play-by-play action and uh we we're able to hear the final plays of hyper viper versus mike deluca it was a great game played by both and just big congrats to Mike for winning MCP LVO 2022. All right, welcome back to another episode of The Danger Room. And with Mike and Sploosh down at LVO representing the Danger Room team, we have brought on a guest, that being Pentagon from the Discords. Um, Pentagon, how are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for uh, inviting me on. Awesome. So we just got a quick few questions of like, what what got you into MCP and what do you love about it? Um, so I've been playing Wargame since I was 11. Um, I did what most people did. I played Warhammer. Um, then I got into War Machine. Uh, then I got into Guild Ball. And then when um, they pulled the plug on Guild Ball, I came to MCP. Um, the I think it's a very good... Um, game in the sense that it's a very competitive game when you want it to be um, and it has a very tight rule set um, but I think it does a good job of bringing a lot of people across a very big spectrum you've got people who are really into MCP characters who play because they've never played a war game before and I think it has pull power in that sense that you get people that would never play War Machine but are playing MCP um, but I think it's a fun game for the competitive people that like planning and dojoing as well yeah i can completely agree with that i think it's great for competitive and casual minded folks for the ones who like just want to play the thematic of it like you mentioned as well as like the like, just that competitive focus because this game is super balanced when it comes down to it and it's just so much fun to like you said like do those little tactical maneuvers and just i, I agree with everything you said it's awesome so let's go ahead and Get right into it, and we'll start with Jacob with Xavier Protocol segment. What do you have this week? So uh, we looked a little bit last week at how paper-thin grunts are, um, but I wanted to flip that around and go, well, uh, in particular, focus on Nick Fury and his damage output. And what I think will be quite a common situation is uh, Fury Spender. I think it's going to see relatively uh, relatively used, relatively often. There's not loads of stuff to use his power on if his grunts are already out and doing their thing. if they get killed, then you might want to might want to use the power for the spender. So, just looking at it, I mean, when we uh, analyze spenders, three power for seven dice is kind of uh, what you expect. So, you look a whole load of other characters, you could reel off the names of people who already have uh, three three power for a seven uh, seven strength spender. But his, of course, triggers uh, a 
an attack from the grunts, which is four dice reroll one. Uh, and so to kind of calibrate this and sort of see how powerful that actually is, I thought I'd look at uh, Valkyrie as kind of the median character. So threes across the board for defenses and six health. And from uh, from fully healthy, that spender by itself has got a 29% chance of just dazing uh, that Valkyrie equivalent. So one of those sort of human equivalent. Uh, clearly it's going to be higher if they've only got five health. But I thought that was a good benchmark. And then if he takes a second action of just doing a builder, one of his five dice builders, then that goes up from 29% to 55%. So I think you're going to see, we're going to talk probably a lot about Nick Fury and all the cool stuff that's going on. I think something that might be going under the radar a little bit in some of the hot takes that are going around at the minute is just how much damage Fury can do in combination with those grunts. So especially when you factor in on the grunts, if they're on the board already, if he's not having to put them into play on his turn, then you're going to get two more four reroll ones potentially from them as well. That's like, that's a bunch of attacks, five attacks. You know, we're talking rocket, uh, rocket style, five attacks, one of which is a seven dice, just to give you a point of comparison. But all instead of all of those attacks being spread across three characters like they are with rockets, uh, deadly duo, they can potentially all go into one character. I think that's going to be a significant part of how he plays. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. I, I I just look at his card, and I know we're kind of getting into our hot takes now. Um, but I just look at his card, and I just see twenty three uh, for his first two for his builders because I mean his builder is twenty three's builder, and I'm in love with twenty three, and it just makes me immediately just love his tactical knife attack. Um, that and him just being super more durable. You know what I mean? So I I could see the damage output and lead from the front. Like what you're talking about, just being able to double down on damage is... I, I think he's, like you're saying, I think people are underestimating the amount of output he's going to have. Mm, yeah. And, and the fact he's got a, a gainer and a builder means you can choose whichever is right for the situation. The only slightly sad yeah. thing is it's all physical. But other than that, I think um, you know he's got a really nice attack suite there. I think that's definitely. What, what do you reckon? Do you think that's above average for a four threat? I, I would say it, yes. Yeah, I think it feels like it. Um, you know, it's probably not like crazy high like old Medusa was. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I, yeah, above average, I think. Yeah, I would easily say above average. Like three power is not like expensive and. I, I have some thoughts behind where I want to put Fury. Um, <laughs> I just, I really enjoy the way his card's looking, and I think people are just underestimating him, to be honest. But do you want to just go ahead and get into the hot take and talk about him? <laughs> I, I, I kind of I feel like we're already there, but just, just a, a yeah. primer for the listener. Listener, I think Desert just hinted that if you need to go and refresh your beverage, now would be a good time. I didn't say it. <laughs> not yet, not yet. Um <laughs> But okay, so here's here's my thing. I'll just go right into it. So X Force drink, um, <laughs> and um, so my my thing is like you look at his card and like he's a really good four threat. Like I think he should be a five threat to be completely honest. Um, just add something else to him and he's like a really good five threat still. Like he's a better five threat than Cable is. Um, but I love his builder and like you said his gainer. Those are really good attacks. His spinner's just amazing. Um, but his super interesting thing and what I why I think he might actually be a good fit for X Force is the fact that if you're playing the Badger in 23 game, him with his grunts kind of negates the fact that you're bringing 23. Um, not 23 with Badger because like he can't interact or secure or anything like that. But you bring that grunt and that grunt can be that um, extract holder that you're missing. 
uh, which I kind of find super interesting. As well, he's super aggressive of a character, which goes into the play style I've been advocating for um, for X Force. So I just really kind of like that, and it might even be good to have a splash depending on how this shield affiliation builds out. So that's kind of like where my head's at with it. I look at him and like, how does he help? that team as well as some other teams i could actually see a lot of people splashing him in as a four threat just for the grunt shenanigans which is incredibly interesting not to mention like his leadership in my opinion is super good like people are complaining about the fact that one vp is not enough to be a catch-up mechanic when if you build it into your plan it's not even a catch-up mechanic it's a play even mechanic uh which is stupid good um in my opinion, because you have somebody say, okay, well, I'll sacrifice one VP so I can play extremely aggressive. And then I'll sacrifice that one VP. The score will be three, four. And then you take out my grunt round beginning of round one. Now it's four, four. And I sacrifice nothing essentially. Like it's, yeah. this is, I, that's where I look at this. So I think people saying that it's a bad catch up mechanic is looking at it in the wrong way. I don't think it's a catch up mechanic. It's a play even mechanic, which I think even is way better than catch up. I think that's true, and what it calls to me on particularly is on cubes as a crisis, because cubes, you can go, go on, go and get three cubes, great. I'm going to catch up that VP that I'm behind for you having an extract lead, and you're mm -hmm. going to be taking more damage, which plays into my I'm going to punch you in the face strategy. Yeah. And then like the flip side of his leadership is even better. It's like, <laughs> I'm going to lose win, and then I'm going to win win. You know what I'm saying? Like that's literally what his leadership says. Like if I'm losing, I'm still going to be even. And then if I'm winning, I'm just going to punish you for letting me win uh, VPs. Like it's, it's insane to me. I, I love his leadership. Uh, I think shield, depending on what the lineup looks like is going to be extremely interesting. Uh, calling the cavalry really simple. just brings in a shield agent. They can immediately interact with an extract, which is awesome because he can just move, move, pop a shield agent down and they have an extract. Um, sure, they die super easy, but like, who else can do this? Like, it's well, basically an extensive, like, it's a long reach. Grab an extract. Yeah, and it's they place within three, so it's essentially move, move, move. Kind of, it, he can go real yeah. far with that. It's, it's super interesting. And then Director of Shield, um, you know, he gets to reroll one of his attack or defense dice, which is super good. And it comes back to me loving him actually in X-Force as a four threat option, because why not get more rerolls? Um, that's just my two cents. I, I actually, I'm actually really on Nick Fury. And I just want to say, because I've seen a lot of people questioning why he has 434 when he's a human. Uh, for those of you who do not know, this is Nick Fury, Nick Fury Jr., who is actually injected with uh, Super Soldier Serum. Um, so he does have Super Soldier Serum, which would explain why he's a 434. I have some more thoughts, but I, I want to hear from Pentagon. We brought you on. We haven't asked you anything yet. So what, what are your takes on Nick Fury? Um, so my first, my first look is I kind of any character with a five power pierce as their basic reminds me a lot of Killmonger. So my sort of first gold standard is kind of comparing the two. And they both have six health. They're both four threats. Um, Fury has the three cost, seven power spender, as well as the five power uh, basic. Um, he doesn't have the charge, but all of his things being range three seems really good. So I think he kind of has most of the tech that Killmonger brings as the sort of starting point to what he does. And we all have been hit by five power pierces that just daze somebody because pierce is really good. Um, so I think everything on his card is a really nice um, starting point. I think the three cost seven power doesn't 
jump out to most people as a really powerful start to a card but i think you're quite right to hone in on that at the beginning um i wonder if black order are going to become a particularly even more popular choice just because the thanos lead versus the minions is going to be really powerful um as a sort of if fury or and the new other minions are going to be everywhere then black order will become more popular um i'm also really pro the rope model which i think is quite controversial but i think the rope model is really cool <laughs> it's a snake <laughs> i think i agree i think it's cool i, I like it I, when i first saw it, i was like yeah that's cool i like it Good. I thought it was somewhat ridiculous in a game where 90% of models are standing on explosives that everyone was like, but that person's got a rope that's not attached to anything. It just... <laughs> I, I can agree with that. I think the rope's actually kind of cool. Um, like, it, I, Especially when you look at the pictures they're doing for like the like promotional stuff for it, where they have it like he's coming out of the um, the shield jet. I can't remember what it's called now. Um, I, I keep on thinking Blackbird, but that's actually... Is it the Learjet? Um, Helicarrier. Helicarrier, Yeah um yeah. it's just super cool Quinjet. yeah the quinjet that's what it is okay but it's just, i think it's super cool because it's like the quinjet's coming out this is coming out and like it's just super thematic to like tie the models in together um i think that's something cool that they're doing for an art aspect of things that people kind of overlook in the game they look at like mm-hmm. how the game plays and all that but like we want our stuff to look cool too so like what better cool thing to tie like a terrain piece into a model even if it's not always right next to it um i just think it's neat I just want to throw in a couple of caveats here. Um, we're, we're, it seems like we're pretty high on this character already, but he comes with 10 tax of cards and we don't know what any of them do. Um, yeah. that, so, you know, maybe we're going to be even higher if he has some cool character specific ones. We know that some of them are going to probably be um, shield affiliated cards, but I wouldn't be surprised. Like life model decoy is a very Nick Fury kind of thing. Um, in the comics, he's always having life model decoys. No, that wasn't Nick Fury. Um, so, I think there could be some some even cooler stuff coming out for him. So I like I, I like it. I also wanted to dig into shield affiliation a little bit. And at this point, we don't know anything. But I think it's a pretty safe bet that uh, Black Widow, Agent of Shield, is going to be in Shield. <laughs> Clue is kind you of don't say. <laughs> um, and that opens up an interesting avenue where Black Widow has a way of gaining VPs uh out of the normal sequence and then potentially i mean Penskin, you already mentioned killmonger i wonder do you take killmonger as well for a turn where you sacrifice you let a grunt get taken down you get a vp for that because you're you're one behind you then send killmonger into usurp the throne and get two vps from that and then because killmonger usurped the throne agent widow can follow up and interrogate the person who got usurped and suddenly that's an extra three vps on top of four vps just for free that's a quarter of the game right there I wonder if the reason that they, and I don't want to get too distracted, but they uh, made Doom Prophecy Asgard only was because they wanted to bring Agent Widow down in preparation for the S.H.I.E.L.D. faction. Um, Interrogator is obviously a really powerful ability. I've played her a fair bit and it's she, she's always been fine. Um, she's a really good three threat. She's got good defences. She's, um, she's never she's never felt too strong um but i think in the shield faction where they can score a lot of points i don't know if you can rely on them but they'll always be there yeah i mean we're gonna have to see you see what their affiliated cards do and what the rest of the affiliation is but that was that was something that occurred to me and i was like okay i can i can get behind that and then have a massive swing turn 
I think you'll have to be very careful playing against them because you're sitting there going, okay, they've got three points on the board, and they go, oh god, I got that wrong. They uh, just scored six out of nowhere. Yep, I can see that for sure. Yeah, I think Black Widow will be very interesting. I think you actually made a good point there with like bringing down Doom Prophecy, um, just like future proofing essentially. I want to jump back to though the fact that he comes with ten tactics cards in his box. Um, it kind of brings the question of what's going to be in here and how many of these are going to be generic because of the fact that they keep saying they want more of these tactics cards to be more of affiliation promoting, character promoting. So I could very well see like a good like 70 to 80 percent of these cards either being revolving around nick fury or shield as a whole um which would be incredibly interesting to see and definitely show the dynamic shifting for design philosophy uh when it comes to tactics cards all right so i think we covered nick fury enough so we're gonna go ahead and get into our main topic of the day and this is why we brought pentagon on here because he's been champion championing um (laughs) however you say this um convocation for a while a lot of people keep asking like how do you play convocation we had our christmas day um 18 days of christmas episode on convocation and we started talking and figuring out what we we're going to do with mike and sploosh being gone uh, what we could do for this day and brought up pentagon playing convocation because i played pentagon oh, i was about right when juggernaut was like first spoiled and pentagon absolutely just destroyed me as convocation and we were trying to think what to do and i was like let's go talk to this guy and see what his secrets of convocation are and see if we can talk them up for people so that is the main topic of the day so why don't we go ahead and get right into it with uh pentagon what is like your philosophy behind convocation like are they an attrition team are they a control team they kind of a hybrid like what does convocation want to do um okay i'm gonna answer the question by saying what they really don't want to do and what they really (laughs) don't want to do is play turn four um I think of them as, so I play mine as a very, very fast scenario team that wants to dominate turn one and two um, by scoring preferably six plus points turn one, five, six points turn two, and finish the game turn three. Um, And their huge strength is that the leadership is ridiculous um, in the sense that whenever you're hit, you get to place. And that allows you to play a very aggressive scenario game in a way that other factions just can't. Um, But I think a lot of it is um, I kind of mapped out how I want to play all the scenarios that I'm likely to play um, and have a plan for it. Can I just you know, stop you there for a second? You say that, because a lot of the time when I've been thinking about that ability, you think of that uh, place on, on hit as a defensive ability. Stops making people make two attacks unless they've got an ability to charge or place or something. How, do you, how in your experience, has it helped you play that secure game and get a stronger secure game out of it? Uh, so secure, I don't. Um, so I pick extract whenever I can. Uh-huh. My preferred mission is spider people. And my first activation is to run Lizard onto their point, and I grab their spider person. Um, And then they're sitting there going, oh, there's a Lizard with my spider person. Um, So activation one is generally Lizard double moves, picks up a spider. Um, If they don't pick up their other home spider, then Dr. Voodoo runs over and picks up the other one. Um, And then Dr. Strange grabs the middle one. So the... I've played a lot of games where lizards run over they've then done something else and i've grabbed their other one and i'm sitting there with four spiders sometimes i get all five 
Um, and then they hit Lizard and they do A damage to Lizard. And Lizard teleports away with the big base. It teleports even further. And now they're chasing Lizard and Baron, not Baron, Dr. Voodoo around the board for the game. So you're using that ability uh, to protect your extract holders rather than, okay, run. All right, okay. That makes sense. Man, yeah, that, that is very strong. I hadn't thought about that. So traditionally, um, it goes Lizard grabs one. They pick up the other one. So Doctor Strange Supreme runs in and grabs the middle one. At that point, I've got four extracts. Um, so I'm getting four extracts plus two from the secure. That's six points. Um, and then say turn two, they daze Lizard or Voodoo. I'm now scoring maybe only five points. But at that point, I'm free to teleport people off points with Strange. Clear has a throw. Uh, Lizard has a throw. Dr. Voodoo has a throw and you just throw people off points and don't attack all game. So your core then, you're saying, is Dr. Strange, Sorcerer Supreme, Dr. Voodoo and Clear. Those are your three you like to run with. Lizard. Sure, sure. But I'm thinking, sorry, I was thinking affiliated. Okay. Uh, if, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. think of them. I don't think of them as here are my affiliated models. Um, I think of this is Spider Infected. This is the team that I'm playing on Spider Infected. <laughs> and the key pieces there are uh, Voodoo, Strange, Strange, Sorcerer Supreme, and Lizard. And then Strange, Strange is kind of right. irrelevant because he's good in the sense that he can run into the middle, be relatively safe. He's got high defense. He's got secure control, um, but he's not really very important. Okay. Um, you've got to remember, turn two, you put up Iron Books, which then makes the team even more obnoxiously tough. Um, so suddenly Clear is now really tough, as is the good um, Voodoo. So you grab the points turn one. And I think the leadership, going back to your earlier question, Jacob, is that most people turn one don't have any power so they're not putting spenders so they get to move up to you they put a basic into you you then teleport away and that's kind of it and then so turn one you don't really take very much damage turn two you put the iron books up so at that point if they don't kill anyone then you're scoring six more which takes you to 12 and then the game's over how does, how does the game plan change when that's flipped somebody what seems to be quite common these days is people pick secures and then uh, you get your, let's say, spider infected as your extract, but you don't have the first activation. How does that change the game plan? Um, it's it's obviously less good. Um, I find you're always gonna, you normally get the third one because you're still gonna grab. Say they pick up one of their own ones, you grab their other one, and then if they don't go for the middle one, then you can look to teleport the doctor uh voodoo up with clear to then set up a, um, him to get the power to steal one um so i'd probably deploy with clear in mind to teleport voodoo forwards and then hope to grab one of theirs with um lizard um and because it's still an odd number of spiders and you can be so aggressive i'd still hope to get three i'm just not gonna get four Mm. And I guess you could have, if you're in that situation, you could have like a more beta character being moved up by clear. Is that a, yeah. Uh, I mean, I would only move up um, Voodoo because he steals the spider. I don't really want to do damage, but you have to, unfortunately, to get the power. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, it definitely can do damage, but um, the priority is setting Voodoo up to steal their spider. Yeah, I can see that. Hmm. Okay. So I I got a I got a question for you. Um, because a lot of the community is extremely down on Clea. Um, and I know you're actually not 
the same opinion. At least it seems that way. Uh, do you mind explaining? <laughs> yeah. Do, do, do you mind explaining this? Uh, because it's very completely against the grain for what people consider her to be. Um. Okay. So without going spoilers, there's things that she can do that other people can't. Um. So we'll touch on that in the Juggernaut discussion. But the fact that she can teleport somebody and use tactical analysis in the same activation is really good. Um, she's got a throw that she can power herself, um, which means that you don't need to do damage to them. So you don't have to sit there and go, oh, I've done um, three power to you. So you can now use your spender. Um, her throw is range three instead of being range two. Um, so she can just throw people from ridiculous distances. Um, if you think her main issue is that she's so squishy, Turn one, she's not going to be hit because she's staying back. Turn two, you've got iron books up. Um, and turn three, I'm hoping to win. So the fact that she's squishy is kind of irrelevant, hopefully. Hmm. Yeah, okay. Um, what about then when somebody who now knows your game plan takes extracts and puts something different on the table? I don't know. They put down legacy virus or whatever. Um, yeah, so when I've not had the pick of extracts, um, I think there's lots of ways you can do it, and I, I certainly wouldn't want to say it's this is how you should play Convocation. I would definitely say this is my plan B. Um, I've played, uh, generally I have my secures include both 19s, uh, because I think having intrusions and demons lets you sort of build for that 19 point and if you know that you're going second and you're putting a secure down i can always guarantee 19 points yep. um i tend to play um supreme with thanos space mind um with planar pole dark so you kidnap just somebody in case, so yeah, in case in case people don't remember plain pole dark john just remind us what it does uh yeah so it's a dark rain that works for mystic attacks so you pay three on somebody and then for the rest of the turn all of your mystic attacks you can re-roll any number of attacks um so i tend to play in 19 points sorcerer supreme for five thanos for eight with space and mind and then baron uh voodoo not baron voodoo baron mordu uh for 11 uh plus um so you have both um damage buffs abilities so you've got the mm. thanos the death's decree and then the baron has a death's decree um and then you kidnap somebody with Thanos, which he obviously does very well. You daze them with Strange. You then have priority. And then you put a 10 dice re-rolling everything attack into them to carry them top of turn. So leaning heavily on attrition. And I guess yeah, those are the slower scoring secures. So okay. Yeah, so you only play that on 19 points where you're yeah. either playing intrusions or demons. Um, it works a lot better on demons than it does intrusions, but it's, that's I wouldn't say that is my favourite mission, but um, in the plan B it works okay. So I can see your, your extract plan working well, uh, clearly on spiders and also on cubes. What would be your third extract of choice? So I don't play cubes. Um, really? just, Why not? No, because I don't like doing damage to myself. Um, and I don't like, and I don't like my opponent having power. Um, so I played a lot of Panic. Um, Panic <laughs> did me very well before uh, it got banned. Um, so my three missions are Herbs, Spider Infected, and Fear Grips. Um, I'm get the, the Herbs. So let's talk Fear Grips. So the Fear Grips play is 
Um, you first activation, you grab, say, left hammer with lizard or whoever you want to, whoever you, because yep. well, obviously you don't have control of the points, whoever you have to grab it. Yep. Um, if they then pick up the right hammer, which is what you would expect to happen in a fear grips mission, yep. um, then you double move Thanos into the middle. You mind stone their hammer carrier towards voodoo space stone onto their hammer pick up their hammer with thanos um which is a play no one ever sees coming which is because it's ridiculous but it works quite well so what this does is double moves but hang on let me just run that in my head double move space stone and that gets you to their hammer which you then pick up and then you Correct. can leave the ship jump away so they're sitting there going they put a basic into thanos and thanos goes okay i teleport away he doesn't care but because you've mind stoned um and you can do port there's a lot of flexibility but you can portal and mind stone their hammer carrier towards voodoo who then gets cleared forwards to pick up your hammer so voodoo can pick up your hammer at the start of the turn then put two attacks into their hammer carrier and take their hammer which then puts you at four hammers Yep, that's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, do we want to go into secures or do we just want to hit the herb play? <laughs> uh, go on, let's, let's, let's do the herb. Let's, let's round out the extracts. Um, right. So the herb play, I think, is the weakest of the three. Um, really? <laughs> yeah. Um, so the first two, I think, are really good. The herb play is kind of there because I needed something, but I don't like yeah. it. Um, so the her play is activation one. You meditate with Wong, giving you two power. You then advanced R and D to give the power out. Um, there's two variations of it. Um, I think the better variation is activation two. You double move Juggernaut onto the herb. He then picks it up. Um, then activation three, um, Sorcerer Supreme, who has an additional power due to advanced R and D, double moves, um, teleports Juggernaut three. Then clear can move once, um, use her pretend cosmic cube, and then she has the power to tack analysis and to teleport Juggernaut, which gets him onto the herb. Um, the other variation involves you advanced R and D to give the power to clear, uh, so to Strange and Juggernaut. Um, Juggernaut then uses his own ability to move himself off the point first, and then you save yourself tack analysis. Um, the reason that you would ever use tech analysis instead of not is it means that you can have two power on Juggernaut turn one, which means that you can have Indomitable up. So if you're playing against someone like Thor in Avengers, having Indomitable up turn one is really powerful because then if they try and disrupt Juggernaut with a size four throw, you can counterspell it. Um, but if they don't have any disruption that works on him, then you can save yourself the tactics card. Sorry, just to interrupt. <laughs> Can you talk me through how she has enough power to tactical analysis and to do her uh, three cost place? Yeah, so she starts with one. Uh, yeah. She generates is it three from the three the, from cube, the yeah, cube, yeah. Um, and then she has an additional one from advanced R and D from Wong. There we go. Okay, so you've but then you've got uh, you need two power to advanced R and D, one on strange, one on to clear. Correct. So and that was that came from Juggernaut, did it? Because he gets that comes from Wong. So that's, why, that's why Wong has to activate activation one so that he can meditate right. to give himself the second power. To then hand it all out with R&D. Right, I'm with you yeah. now. Okay, so sorry. usually speaking, I do clear last because it, I'd rather have clear on the right and have strange in the middle. Um, mm-hmm. But it goes Wong first, meditates, advanced R&D, 
activation two juggernaut double moves activation three strange teleports juggernaut activation four clear does the tech analysis and the teleport Mm, and how terrain dependent is this not very um compared to the original portals plays it's um a lot more um more uh, tolerant i have had Mm. um a player try and place their person on the drop-off point where juggernaut needs to be um which was was irritating but i was able to play around it um i'm sure it is counterable um so the reasons i dislike it is i'm sure if someone had a big base and they put the big base in front of the herb then that disrupts it um and there are just enough people that can throw size four and it gets really awkward because they then come over and they throw juggernaut into clear which is really awkward as you can imagine <laughs> um so it's I, I i don't it's really cool and it's 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 i've said i've won games turn one where my opponents just looked at it and gone there's not a lot of point playing this game um mm. because they, they just can't move off but juggernaut is actually quite killable and i think people go to um obsessed about trying how do i move him off the simple way to move him off is you bash his head until he drops down dead um the cool thing though is if you have iron bound books up then it makes juggernaut immune to physical pushes um because he's a gets to use his mystic helmet versus physical attacks um which is nifty um but i think it's I've, i've definitely used it i think it's very good but if i was playing in a tournament it's the uh, mission that I hope doesn't get drawn because it's just a lot less reliable um, and you've got all your eggs in one basket whilst with spiders if something happens and I get spiked on on the left and I go oh lizard just got one shot well I still have four spiders with hammers I still have three hammers if something happens if the juggernaut play I'm sitting there going I'm scoring zero which is really bad <laughs> yep I can see that uh, something's crossing my mind so you're building a mono affiliated roster here but how easy do you think it is to bring in this um like the spiders play or the hammer play into a dual affiliated roster and have that as your well here's my answer here's my team that's going to be good on extracts um yeah i think very much so and i think in the current world where uh going second got buffed in the sense that you can now control the points so i think having a really strong proactive play that is really good on priority and as you say extracts is really helpful um but yeah i mean the core characters you've got quite a lot of space left over i played around with lots of different things when panic was around i ran red skull because i sort of ran red skull and um clear Because then um, you've got the power to do things like um, escort to safety on Lizard or Baron or Doctor. Um, So that that can be really good. Um, But I think there's a huge amount of space left over um, for whatever you want your secure plan to be. Um, I think Convocation can play secures quite well, but um, I don't know if I'd feel comfortable playing them um, differently to how I suggest Mm. I play them. But I'm just thinking you might have Lizard in your roster already. He's quite popular. And it's not that hard to then flex into Voodoo, who's probably who's also very popular. And then you're looking at you need two other convocations and a tactics card slot in order. That's your opportunity. Yeah, I think the weakness now yeah. is that because you don't have control of the points, you do need a couple of additional people to just make sure that you can play your game plan. So, for example, 
the I keep getting them mixed up, but um, having Mordu is really useful because if you're playing 16 points herbs, then you need a character that can generate an additional power. So being able to upgrade Wong to the Baron means that he can do that. And there's not a huge amount of people that have the ability to generate that additional power, or you could take someone who has two power or whatever. Um, so there are um, some variations in how you'd want to play it. Um, obviously, I run Thanos, um, Space Stone, Mind Stone. So I've also had, um, I think I had Winter Soldier in my list, and I had a sort of a um, Black Order splash because I'm not 100% sure whether. So the Planar Poldark strategy can also be done as a Black Order list, but I'm not sure it's better. I think Planar Poldark is really good. Hmm. And then, did you have Corvus in there as well with that? No, no, I just played um, uh, Winter Soldier, um, Thanos, um, and then you run a sort of three... Yeah, yeah, Strange is a small... um, But um, I think the Convocation is probably a little bit better, um, but... um, I, I can see it working if you've if you've got Thanos already, and as I say, I think Thanos, as described in the Hammers play, is really is well worth taking. And if you've got him, I could see people saying, "Well, I'll take Corvus and Proxima as well, so that I can play Black Order." Mm, really interesting, Dizzard. What have you got? Uh, I was going to go into um, covering more of your secures. We haven't really dived too deep into those. What are we looking at for there, those? Um, so I take Intrusions and um, Demons Downtown. Um, they're both 19 points. They're both low scoring. So um, I and because if you're if I'm playing secures, then I know that I'm choosing the points. So I like having two 19 points that both have a low scoring. And then, as I say, I can play Sorcerer Supreme, Thanos, um, Baron Mordu and Winter Soldier, I think is probably my current nineteen. But yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, I guess my next go to is because um, I'm actually I'm very curious about convocation how this all works. Um, you have a lot of theories about who you pick as a leader. Um, I see people pick Mordo, people pick Strange. Who is like the best leader for convocation, or is it always different depending on the matchup? I don't think it matters. Um, you don't think it matters at all? <laughs> not really. Um, I don't think I've had a game where I've gone, oh God, I wish I'd put the leader on someone else. Um, I mm-hmm. usually put the leader on Strange. Um, I think if I was to break it down, my reason for that is, is if I'm playing on, say, my preferred Spiders mission, I'd much rather them be attacking Strange than be attacking my extra carriers. Um, So I would never want to put the leadership on uh, Voodoo because I know I'm going to be playing him really aggressively. Um, But equally, um, yeah, normally speaking, the reason that having the leadership matters is if you're paying power to flip it. And every time I've ever flipped it off the teleport, I've regretted it. Um, and um, I mean, I do it if I'm playing the Killy version on 19 points, then I use it. But in my preferred play, I never flip it. So paying power for it is irrelevant. But I would also say, um, ideally speaking, if I'm playing turn four, then I'm probably going to lose the game. So by the time Strange dies... So say he if, if he's if he's been days turn one, then I've done something very wrong. So let's say yeah. I pick the spider up in the middle and he gets days turn two, and then he 
somehow gets KO'd through Ironbound books turn three, then it matters that I don't have the leadership turn four. But I suspect that the game is going horrifically already. That it doesn't. It's a bit. It's a bit irrelevant. I guess like the most like um, interesting take I've had on the leadership before because most of the time it's like a definite like I always put it on Mordo or I always put it on Strange like I think that's definitely like a, uh, the most interesting take I've taken I've heard on the leadership but as well as with the the whole portal things I think I've heard a lot more people like the the reroll side more than the portals to be completely honest so that's definitely another interesting take. So I've had games where I've had Hulk spend the whole game chasing Lizard. Because it's like, oh, Hulk <laughs> teleports up. He hits Lizard once. Oh, Lizard's teleported away. Oh, I'll throw something at Lizard. Oh, he's gone. Oh, awkward. Um, yeah, they, their leadership is silly. <laughs> hmm. I have to say, I wasn't expecting I don't care to be the answer as who you put the leadership on. <laughs> that was not one I saw coming. I, I don't mean to be um, snotty, Jacob, at all. I just um, I, I don't <laughs> think it hugely matters. No, 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 I'm finding it amusing. Don't worry. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I, um, you, right. you said you said that it kind of just took me aback. Like I said, most of the time I ask somebody that question, and it's like a definite, and you're just like, yeah, whoever, I'll just put it, I'll just drop it on someone randomly. I throw it up in there, whoever it lands on, we're good. <laughs> Let's maybe hit on some of the other tactics cards because with the game plan you're suggesting, it seems like Orb of Agamotto is that that's the one that's like the Rainbow Bridge equivalent, right? Yeah, but you can't do it with extracts on. Can't do an extracts, can you? Yeah, okay. So that uh, seems like yeah, let's not ignore that. Then that's why you're not taking that one. That makes sense. What about some of the other affiliated cards? Because there's quite a lot of them. Uh, so I I consider brace for impact to be convocation affiliated in the sense that if any team needed brace for impact, then it's them. Um, so. I played a lot of field dressing early on when I was trying to play them as a more attrition strategy, and I would suggest that if you're playing a if you're playing Convocation differently to how I suggest you play them, then Field Dressing, I think, is really needed to keep Strange alive because he's so squishy. Um, the way I play it, um, there's a couple of cards that are required for the various strategies. So Advanced R&D is needed for the Juggernaut strategy. I play Indomitable in that. In regards to the faction-specific... I do like the wand because having a really big attack on Wong is really cool. Um, okay. um, that's probably the least played one that I've seen being played. Do you want to recap what Wonderful Tomb does? Uh, you get a really big energy attack that incinerates if you roll a wild, which obviously you won't because it never gets a wild. But um, the um, the cool thing about it is that it costs um, a couple of power to use, but any convocation character can use it. So a character like Wong, who normally is sitting at the back, can then get a really big attack that people might not be expecting. Um, the In regards to the faction-specific ones, Ironbound Books um, is really important. And again, every time I've not used it turn two, I've regretted it. So every time I get to turn two, generally speaking, Ironbound Books. Um, Clear, again, is really good for paying for the Ironbound Books because she generates so much power and she's sitting at the back. So she can often um, be the person to pay for it. Um, Unfortunately, Jacob, I think because a lot of the way I play the extracts, they require a lot of non-faction cards. Mm-hmm. So, um, Bar With No Doors, Ironbound Books are probably the two big ones. Um, and then you've got things like Indomitable or Advanced R&D that come out. Um, 
I played um, playing a pole dark in the Killy strategy. I like Astral Ring, but I, you've got to be really hot on knowing your measurements because it gets really awkward when they run into the middle and you go, ah, turn one, Strange will use Astral Ring, and then you're slightly millimeters out, which I've done a lot of times. Um, yeah. But um, in it, the way I play Convocation, I don't really like attacking, and unfortunately, most of the Convocation cards revolve around attacking, so... Hmm. So I want to talk about sort of some of this, how your opponents have reacted to this. So when they when they see the game plan unfold, and maybe if you've had an opponent who's seen it and has played against it again, what what have been their reactions and their their thoughts on on it? On which, sir? On so when you're doing this, I I go and grab all five spiders, and they go, oh. Uh, yeah, I mean that's probably the noise they make. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I would suggest that the, generally the most effective way to counter it is to have medium large bases of your own, and then I run over and grab yours, and you just run over and grab mine. Um, because you're not packing the attrition required to take down those characters. Well, it's also that my models are all over the board, so they don't have yeah. the um, presence to do it. Um, Enchantress being nerfed was really helpful because the list hates Enchantress because she just walks over and kisses a scenario back. Um, yeah. But I mean, I think having Spider Foes kind of did it first by having the Lizard run over and grab their extract. Um, mm -hmm. But I think it's definitely a menace that is in the tournament scene and any list if you're planning on taking a list to a tournament, you do need to ask yourself the question, what do I do if Lizard runs over and grabs my point? Um, and the quickest and easiest way of doing that is you run over and grab theirs. Um, am I saying that every opponent I've ever played um, took my strategy really well? Um, probably not. Um, but I think if we go back to our, the initial discussion about what different people enjoy in MCP, um, I like the planning, um, mm -hmm. and um, it's quite nice to sort of be able to implement it on the table. Um, I definitely think having studied the board a lot in a way that I think you're quite into as well, Jacob, yep. you definitely noticed when someone's deploying opposite me. And if, say, for example, they've got a big model that they then don't deploy opposite my point, or if there's a piece of terrain that's going to be in front of their spider so that my person can't run over and the way they deploy you sometimes think i wonder if they're aware of the significance of that mm. um but um i would, I would suggest that um i imagine that people who are avid enthusiasts of the danger room podcast wouldn't make that kind of mistake well certainly not once they listen to this <laughs> Uh, but I think there's probably a lot to be said about understanding the turn zero. So, for example, um, if there's a piece of terrain, as I alluded to, in front of the spider, then my big base isn't going to be able to have a landing spot. So if you are going to go and grab a pick one up, if you pick up the one that is already protected by the terrain, then I'm free to grab the other one. While if you pick up the one which is protected by the terrain, then I can't get the other one. So it kind of counters the strategy. So I think and... you need to be thinking about everything from the board edge that you're picking yes. because this strategy is terrain interruptible um, all the way to am I deploying in a way that if Lizard runs over and grabs that point I'm in the best position to counter with whatever I want to do. And what have you found to be the best models at killing Lizard? 
Um, Lizard's amazing. Um, <laughs> that's, I, that's the best answer right I, there. Just I don't nobody. Think, I don't think there is one. Um, I mean, the thing with Lizard is that yeah, mystic attacks and energy attacks are slightly better than um than anything else i suppose probably medusa because she can just put so many attacks into him that she can get that huge saturation of damage that can get through the tough hide but i don't think there's anything that is three points or close to three points that can one round lizard reliably and even if they do um if i've scored six points turn one and they somehow daze lizard turn two and i've only scored five points then i'm still 11 three up Hmm. I'm just thinking about something like um, Gwen weblining Lizard into base-to-base -base with a range 3 attacker. Someone like, I don't know, is Venom's attacks range 3? Sure, I mean, but you're spending, seven, you're spending 7 points to kill a 3-point model and maybe get your extra back. Yeah, you're not um, wrong, but then I, I wonder the if thing, that's... The thing a, that a sometimes point. happens if they want to do the webline in is that you then run Lizard into their corner, and I think I would... I try not to think of it as here is my board edge and here is their board edge because sometimes running lizard into their corner instead of running him back towards my board corner makes it a lot harder for them because they're now having to move their model out of the game. Um, and if they're spending seven points chasing lizard, then I'm thrilled. <laughs> yeah. The other thing is you're five wide and 17 points, which with priority usually means you're keeping priority. So my first activation is going to be Lizard double moves somewhere after throwing you um, away <laughs> from him and he heals one because he can. And yeah, and if you're not, if someone's going four wide, is it sort of counter to that to try and keep priority? So try and steal it off you rather. Then um, they've got fewer point, fewer people to stand on points and score the secure points, which is going to help you generate. Um, a yeah, and also thing. remember, clear has a throw, strange has a teleport, lizard has a throw, um, and you just spend all of your activations yeah. throwing people away from you. I'm, I'm seeing the relevance of that comment you made earlier a lot more now. I thought it through a bit. Yeah. Sorry, which comment? Uh, you said you said that before about the th all the displacement you've got in mm, the team, yeah. and it, it's just you know having got the full picture now. Yeah, I can see the importance. I think um, Dizzard had a game into on Spider People, didn't you, sir? Oh yeah, oh yeah, that was the one you destroyed me on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was it. Was definitely like a like you mentioned like over by round three. Like there was just literally nothing I could do. I tried going into Lizard. Um, it was just all downhill after. Like, like I know the Lizard play. Um, I know all that, but it's like. Going into convocation, like you, I, I kind of by that time I had built up a, a lack of respect for convocation because nobody was really having like severe success with them, and completely changed my mind on the team. And I was like, man, I just I like because we talked for a good like forty minutes after that game ended, just like me trying to pick your brain on convocation. Um, and it's just like they're they're super cool the way you play them. I really enjoy it. And but yeah, like he absolutely destroyed me when we played on Spider People. There's just like literally nothing I could do. Um, I don't remember who I was playing back then. It might have been, I don't think it was X Force, just because those before twenty three and Badger had come out. Um, I might have been still on the foes tick back then. I don't remember. Mm, uh, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> do you then trap if uh, knowing that? Does it? Do you now trap your own spider? With spider foes. 
Um, I think in hindsight or like just like future planning, if I see this type of play where I see like lizard lining up to go on that, then yeah, I would absolutely trap my own point because then I could just push lizard into a death trap of um, more people being able to take him out, which then might be able to at least let me go to parody. You have to be quite careful though, because if you do the damage to lizard, then he then gets to teleport back. Yeah, which which then like I push you forward towards me, then you teleport right back to where you were. Um, but it's it, it gives me a chance to do that. But yeah, um, also I think back then the the second leader side of the leadership wasn't a thing yet, so uh, it is definitely even better now. But I could see that mm. happening to where it's just super annoying, just a game of yo yo. <laughs> yeah, I think the the key with the when it goes well is that because you have so many different parts and you're not really invested in any of them. So if they do somehow manage to daze Lizard, they won't have done so with three points. They'll probably have used oh, seven yeah. points, at which point yeah. I go, okay, fine, I'll score three secures and four spiders. Um, Absolutely. And that's why Clear is so good, because she's a, she just powers the team. Um, Wong can be really obnoxious, because what you really need is when they've done like four damage to Lizard, and then Wong goes over and goes, I'll heal Wong Lizard too. Um after he's healed himself one um but um and again the fact that clear and wong can generate so much power means that things like escort to safety and attack analysis become really relevant so you can then have a late play of wong attack analysis somebody onto a secure which then gives you that extra point and i try not to sort of get too invested in any one corner of the board i'm just looking at which points can i get because um, I'm indifferent to which ones I get as long as I can get to 16. So yeah, it sounds like got a lot of built-in flexibility and redundancy in the team, which is always a good thing to have in your team. So yeah, this is very much the kind of team I like the sound of, and I'm going to have to go away and have a long, hard think about this. Well, I'm uh, I'm glad to hear it, Jacob. <laughs> is, is there anything else we should have asked you or anything else you want to bring up about the team? Um, no, I think, um, I, I, I think my, um, if you want to try and counter it, um, flip the board edge so that they can't land and always be happy to run over and grab their points. Cause sometimes it's easier for you to steal my extracts than it is to defend your own ones. Um, would, and I, I think that applies to any aggressive extract strategy. Um, so I hope that's worth knowing. Hmm. And if people wanted to get a hold of you and ask you some questions about the strategy, where would they find you or get in contact with you? Uh, so Discord, uh, I am Pentagon hash three six nine six, but I'm in most of the MCP groups, um, and I'm. Um, I play a lot of um, TTS, so I've played a lot of Longshanks events. Um, so um, I'm always gettable through them. I am also in the London club, um, but unfortunately I don't get to come down to many games. Well, thanks for coming on. It's been a joy. I have actually enjoyed this quite a bit. Um... Because it's a different take on convocation than what you actually typically hear from people. Because most people despise Clea. Most people like the rerolls more than the teleport. Um, I just think it's like completely against the grain for what you're doing with convocation. And 
from my understanding, you, you've had some pretty good success with it. So I really appreciate you coming on and talking about it with us. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me on. And I take it you're taking part in season seven? Uh, I'm not. Um, no, I'm uh, I'm having a little bit of a uh, break from um, MCP, which I think is probably quite good because otherwise I would have told you nothing of what I... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's true, but um, yeah, sure. Uh, uh, but no, I'd be really interested to see how the um, how the meta evolves. Um, yeah, see if someone uh, picks this up and runs with it. I hope so. I hope so. Um, but um, I, I wish you all the best of luck if you do. All right. Uh, speaking of season seven, I just want to remind everybody that the league signups are still open. Uh, list locks and submission locks are due by the 12th of February with a league start date of the 14th, I believe, of February. Uh, it should be that Monday for the starting week. Yeah, the 14th. Um, so don't forget to get in on the TTS Season 7 League. Um, I think we're averaging well above 160 people uh, across all three, or all four brackets, rather, which is awesome. So maybe we'll bump it up a little bit more. So there's that, as well as if you go to the main TTS League server under League Information, there is information about the charity donation for um, Nigoldar's son. Um, so there is that information. Yeah, just um, for anyone who's not heard of that, uh, Nigoldar is one of the guys who uh, helps out run the the rules forum. Uh, so he's like the the, the 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 final arbiter on a whole load of rules stuff. Uh, and unfortunately, he lost his son recently. And to show support for him as a member of our community, um, the the TTS uh, Illuminati have uh, asked anybody who feels able to to make a donation to a charity that's been nominated by him. I think it's the Ronald McDonald Foundation, yep. um, which um, is going to support children locally. Um, so I, I think that's a, a really nice thing that they've done. And if you've got a spare couple of coins clinking around in your pocket, then send them that way, please. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our opinions. Please note, as time continues, some information may become outdated, but we will do our best to refresh some of the more prevalent episodes to be current. Be sure to check out Across the Bifrost Nexus, where you can find all of your MCP content. And a big thank you to Discount Games Inc. and Blackgate Games, where you can find all of your MCP needs. And then a huge thank you to Atomic Mass Games for developing a game we all enjoy and love. We'll see you next time in the Danger Room.